Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, we were talking before we got started. This is a busy time for Penn State football. And for Thomas Frank Carr, right? Yeah, so a surprise commitment on Friday for Elliott Washington. That took a little bit of time to get that uh, film study done, but it is done. Uh, And then Lana Montgomery last uh, Monday night, which was um, more on schedule and a a guy we've been looking at for a while. And then coming up this weekend, you know, uh, Thursday and Friday, the big ones, Tony Rojas uh, on Thursday night and uh, uh, Tamir Robinson, Robinson on Friday night. So two four-star linebackers, both have picks in. They're strong Penn State leans, but you just never know, you know? You just never know. So we'll see, uh, but it should be. It's shaping up to be a very good week for Penn State football. There was a baseball player years ago, well before your time, T. Frank, who said there's only one word, one word to describe baseball. You never know. And that's the way it is for (laughs) recruiting also. Before we get started on our topic for today, which is the red light, green light, yellow light of the Penn State freshman, uh, real quick on the recruiting, as you mentioned, London Montgomery, the running back uh, from Scranton, committed. This was after last week, a little bit of a surprise. The other running back, Trayon Webb from Florida, Make yeah. his commitment to the Florida Gators. Were you surprised surprised by Webb's commitment to Florida? And then how important did that make getting uh, Montgomery on Monday? So first off, I think this sh- the way this shook out was correct for Penn State, uh, in my opinion. Uh, where I, I was a, I was not nearly as high on Webb as some other people. I, I think he had uh, some parts of his and this is why I do film evaluation you see four-star running back with great size and and you think okay that's a player uh there were some concerning elements of his game in terms of his uh his contact balance his ability to break tackles I understand he was injured last year but he's an upright runner he's a he's a tall upright runner that happens to those guys a lot so um Lana Montgomery and I, I guess to to finish up on Webb he had been very flighty the fact that he was supposed to come in on the 30th, suddenly pushed it back, basically went into a confusing radio silence with most people that are following the situation. And it was still a Penn State lean, but that's, again, when you say you never know, you never know, and then all of a sudden he decides to jump the gun on his commitment date, and when Marcus Stokes flipped to uh, to Florida, he decided he wanted to jump on the bandwagon he wanted to make it a tag team thing. Uh, but Lana Montgomery, I think this is the right way to work out. Neither of these running backs in this class were necessarily the guy. They were not all-around runners. For what I described of Webb, where he doesn't have explosive speed and and elusiveness, he was much more of an upright zone runner who had to have clean lines to be able to make plays. Lana Montgomery's 5'10", 180, but he's a runner. He is very good at breaking tackles, contact balance, speed, explosiveness. The only thing he doesn't have is size, and I would rather have the guy that is a good runner and has multi-dimensional skills uh, over just pure size. I have always been against taking guys that just have size. And that's not to, uh, 
you know, I'm painting a picture here that's probably unfair to Webb because he's still a useful player and can be good. But to me, this is the way it should have worked out for Penn State. They get Montgomery. They don't take two running backs. They have room in this class later on if they want to flip somebody or if they can or if they find they're in the running for a premier talent down the line. So I think this gives them flexibility, gives them time, and it gives them the right player. Very good. All right, let's get to our topic of the day. One of James Franklin's favorite games to play, red light, yellow light, green light, which is the status of the incoming freshman. Green light means they're, they're going to play. Yellow mm-hmm. light means it could go either way, and red light means we're probably going to get a red shirt for that player. So let, let's go through this freshman class. We'll do each side of the ball. Let, let's start with the offense. And I'm going to start real easy. Let's go with the running backs, T. Frank. No, okay. I I can't imagine Nick Singleton being anything but a green light. Yeah. I spent four minutes talking about the running backs at 23. So um, this is – what do you say? That's the problem is what do you say about Nick Singleton that you haven't already said? You should make a big deal about Nick Singleton. You should make a, a big deal about Katron Allen and say all the things, but we said it five or six times. They're going to play. One of them uh, might be the lead back by the end of the season. Nick Singleton might be a superstar. He also might be a useful freshman that provides, at the very least, some dynamic presence in the running game. Katron Allen is going to play because he's too good. He's uh, actually down to 211 pounds. He's a very elusive runner. Another guy, if you're talking about contact balance, who breaks tackles, sets up his blocks really well. Uh, great jump cuts. I love watching him make his cuts. So both of those guys have uh, either physically or mentally mature games that are going to factor into the running game. So you would also give Katron Allen the green light? Yeah, both are a hard green light this year. And also, the, the, the fact with running backs is, and not to be callous, but what's the shelf life of these guys from a college perspective and from a the position perspective? So Nick Singleton, if he's everything that you think he's going to be, he's not going to be here for four years. Katron Allen, you might have the same conversation if he performs the way he does. You know, or if Nick Singleton becomes the guy, all bets are off that uh, anyone could transfer. So, you know, I, I don't know that there's a value much anymore in redshirting a guy that doesn't have to redshirt at the running back position. And, you know, I, short shelf life. My only thought would be that there's so much volume there. There's five running backs. A year ago when they were confronted with this, they took one of the running backs, Keziah Holmes, even though it was second year in the program, and redshirted him. I didn't know if someone might come up with the brilliant idea of that a possibility for Catron Allen. The other thing that uh, you mentioned, too, which surprised me, they're listing Catron Allen at 211. I had him previously listed at 225. Now, sometimes those weights can be off a little bit, but that's significant difference for a running back. So he came in at that weight, but uh, he's been progressively losing that. He was, I think, 217 the last roster update. So he's been progressively leaning out and becoming a little bit less of a power back and more of a a hybrid blend. I thought he was a little bit too big at IMG. Uh, And and this is where he's in a sweet spot because he does lack the elite runaway burst. But short area quickness, making guys pay for making bad angles at him, running guys over, I think those are all 
useful skills and any RPMs you can generate by losing weight and adding, you know, explosive strength is is a is a plus at the running back position. So I think this is this set this fits his skills very well because his tackle breaking ability doesn't come from just size. It comes from kind of a holistic approach to the game that he has. Let's shift to quarterback where there were also two highly regarded guys come in, specifically Drew Aller. I'm curious how you're gonna list them. They're both they're both red shirts. They're both hard red shirts. You don't want to rely on a true freshman quarterback if you have any designs on winning that year. Again, when we talk about guys that play as true freshmen, they're either forced into the game and they're not playing the quarterback position the right way, and they're relying on some unique trait, whether it is uh, speed, whether it is uh, you know unholy arm strength, or high-end mental processing that makes them ability makes them able to play their freshman season. It's a rare instance when those guys can start as true freshmen because it, there's just there's so much to learn. You have to learn your offense and master it, which takes time. And I mean by time, I mean like a long time uh, in, in terms of like a year to really understand what you're doing. And then you have to understand all the things that you didn't see in, in high school because college defenses, surprisingly, are much more complex than high school defenses. Uh, so of the two, if there was one that had to be forced into the lineup there, uh, in their freshman season, if there was a serious rash of injuries, I would go with Perbula because he has those escapability tools. He's a little bit more quick with his decisions. He has some more of those. I can kind of cut corners and I can make it work. Uh, so I would go with, if I'm putting them in a pecking order of a hard red shirt and in a break glass in case of emergency i would go with perbula because of some of the traits he brings to the table that's interesting and just a reminder if any of the true freshmen play it will be because of some issue but there's only two quarterbacks uh, in front of them and remember a year ago they went three deep at quarterback yeah so it, it 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 will take something to happen but well stuff does happen Let's go to wide receiver where there's a couple promising players. Uh, Caden Saunders is there. Omari Evans is there. Any chance that a wide receiver gets something other than a red light? So they're all red lights uh, to me. Uh, The one that is not is Caden Saunders, and I have him at a yellow light. And I'm, I'm just kind of on the fence about Caden because I loved his high, his high school film. I thought he was an advanced route runner, uh, but he's just a little bit undersized, didn't break tackles the way he should at the high school level. He's up to 178 pounds, but again, if you don't play big, it doesn't matter how big you are. And I still want to see a little more evidence of him fighting through contact and playing with a little more tenacity. That's nasty tenacity. Um, but he also can toast DBs. So it just depends on how James... This is the one where I think there's two players that I think James Franklin and I might have a debate over if we talked about this. Vega Ioane, the offensive lineman, and Caden Saunders. I would redshirt Caden Saunders. And I think James would be on board with that uh, other than if Caden proves it. If he proves that he's a valuable slot player that can come in and can spell uh, Parker Washington. Uh, the other guy, just to shift ahead, because I want to make sure I talk about him. Vega Yuana is 6'4", 330. Saw him at Lift for Life. He did not smile once, and I was there for an hour. He is everything you want an interior offensive lineman to be. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he seems very mean. Uh, and he moves so well. Even just watching him 
play with uh, kids when they're doing cornhole and stuff. Just the way he moves and his body works, he is a he's a gifted athlete. So can he push any of those guys on the offensive line? I want to see that because that depth and that power and that explosiveness, as long as he can handle the mental side, I think he needs to be in the conversation with some of the injuries and some of the guys that are building their way up right now. Well, I just went right past the tight end because I don't think there's any way we'll see hard Jerry red shirt. Cross. Hard, hard red shirt red for shirt. Jerry. Yeah. Any other offensive linemen that might see the field under no, any circumstances? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. Both Malik McNeil and uh, Drew Shelton need to either grow or shrink, and uh, and that's kind of their goal for the next year. All right, I'll let uh, I'll let our listeners figure out which is which there, uh, T. Frank. That is it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, we'll play the same game. Red light, yellow light, green light with the defense. Stay tuned. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsworth from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstations, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. We're doing our red light, yellow light, green light edition of the show that's where we talk about the freshmen and what their chances are of getting onto the field i think you could figure out what red light green light and yellow light means before we get started quick reminder in partnership with collegiate athletic travel we're offering the opportunity to travel to the penn state auburn game i know we've been talking about this for a while 
But just to let you know, there is a deadline. That deadline is July 22nd to uh, let us know if you're interested in uh, traveling with us. The trip includes the flight, stay at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, great tailgate party. Dustin and I will be traveling along. For more information, you could go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. Get all the details. It's going to be a great trip. We're really looking forward to it, and we hope we see you there. All right, T. Frank, we've been talking about the freshmen. Uh, Green light means they're probably going to play. Yellow light, eh, they're on the bubble. Uh, red light means that they'll be redshirting. We took care of the offensive side in quarter number one. Quarter number two, we're going to look at the defense. Let me start with this because it's somewhere in between offense and defense, and that's the special teams. And Alex Bichetta, the punter, I'm thinking green light. What are you thinking? If he wins the punting competition, yes, there's no middle ground here. There's no yellow light. Now, I placed him in the yellow light because the the winning and losing of that punting competition is up in the air. So that's kind of how why he lands there. But it's very much there, there's no he's going to play five games. He might be useful unless there's an injury. He either does play or he doesn't play. And as I've said before on this show, I know nothing about special teams. I know nothing about how the and the good and the bad and I just like everyone else, I know a good punter when I see one because the results are good. I don't know the process to get there. So I couldn't tell you if he is uh, on track or not on track. So we have him as a yellow light. I'm going to bet that he wins the position. So I'm giving him a green light, T Frank. All right. I got green light, you got yellow. We'll we'll see with uh, James Franklin uh, what he decides for him. Does that end on up as a mustard light if you combine the green and the yellow? Is that kind of just like a, <laughs> like a mustardy color? Or is that the color of like a pre-mold or something? Oh, I don't know my colors all that well. Huh? <laughs> I don't know my colors very well. It might just be more green. Well, uh, you know what? To avoid whatever it is, uh, color you're going to end up with, I'll just concede and call him a yellow light, and we'll go with that, T. Frank, rather than okay. mold the color, all right? Uh, let's move on. I think if you're on defense and you're talking a green light, you have to start at the defensive line. you got to start with Zane Durant, right? Yeah, so both of our green lights, and there's only two on each side of the ball. There's the two running backs and then Zane Durant and defensive end and I, Dennis Sutton. Zane Durant... Uh, I, I think he has outstripped uh, Kalen King as far as most hyped freshmen we've seen in a long time. So he has he has done everything he's supposed to do during spring ball. He's gained weight. He's up to 272. He is thick. He is. I didn't think that there was a way he was going to find a uh, put more weight on his frame, and he did. So is he 275? I kind of thought maybe he would top out at 280 for his career anyway but now the quest now i just the all possibilities are are open with zane durant and i'm taking all regulators i'm taking the brakes i'm pulling out the uh the lever that is the brake on the hype train it's full steam ahead we're not stopping this thing until we get to the uh final destination here first of all the weight gain is real i have his um incoming weight at 255 and he's, as you mentioned, he's currently up to 272. And 
did you see him at the Lift for Life? Yeah. Was a good weight that he put on. I was shocked. He has a badonkadonk. Like, it's all in the right place, too. So he's he is super thick. He's super strong. The only part of his evaluation throughout his time from high school to now that makes me a little concerned about can he reach the heights that he seems to be able to is his arm length because he doesn't have 33-inch arms. He does not have that elite length, and that's really the the outlier for guys that have been very, very successful at that size, and uh, they typically have much longer arms for their frame. Zane is closer to what you'd expect. I'd say he's probably like 31 and a half inch arms. And I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but it is. Like that's that's uh, a big factor for a lot of players and a lot of teams when it comes to the the prototype and making sure that you can win engagements and contact at the line of scrimmage. The uh, healthy badonkadonk, I assume, means that his lower half is pretty strong. Yes, very muscular, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, he was pretty thick when he got at 260, 265 in the spring when we saw him during the blue-white game, and I was like, okay, how much more mass can he add here? And he found a way. Like, he, he has, he's added significant circumference to his lower body, and that is the sign of an elite athlete. Like, that it's just, it's, it's all there. That's what you're looking for. Let's talk about the other green light you have on defense. Deny Dennis Sutton. He's the uh, defensive end. We've been talking about him for a very long time. You have no doubt that he'll be seeing the field. So, no doubt. I have a little doubt. So, he's a green light. Uh, but he's just he got here later than everybody else. This is a bit of projection from what I, I know of Deny, having spoken to him, getting a sense of who he is through the recruiting process and his talent level and what everyone else says about him. Also, the need is there for Penn State, and he's got all of the skills to be a pass rusher as a five-star defensive end. So he has to, well, there's a little bit of a has to here as a, as a five-star uh, but I also like there are things that I that would concern me that I would say maybe he's a green light, but he doesn't play as much as you want him to early in the season. Uh, and we'll see how it shakes out as far as his impact. I'm expecting Zane Durant to be a, a firm part of the rotation at defensive tackle from the first game. I don't know how much of a factor immediately deny will be during the season, but I'm expecting over time his talent, his work ethic, and and the need will win out there at defensive end where he'll become a part of the rotation and secure his spot. One of the positions that we've talked about, that I've talked about as being a concern on the defense is linebacker, the lack of depth there. They lost through attrition three of their top four linebackers, the two starters, um, the the first backup, the fourth man for the linebacker crew. They went to the safety uh, room to bring in a starting linebacker in Jonathan Sutherland. A lot of times freshman playing is as much about the opportunity, which means lack of depth at a position, as it is the talent of the uh, player. Linebacker seems like a situation where there could be need in the two deep, but is there somebody at the linebacker group, incoming freshman, who might see the field? There's two linebacker spots. 
So this is where I'm not. This is where I'm not sure, and this is where I need to have that uh, conversation with James Franklin about what are you looking for from from your linebackers? Because right now, this is the the linebacker depth chart. You have your star and uh, Curtis Jacobs at the will. So I'm assuming he's going to play 95% of the snaps. He's going to be on the field third down. He came on my show, and that was like the thing he talked about. It's like he 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 did not enjoy coming off the field on third down when he was playing the Sam position. Uh, so he's going to be on the field all the time next year. So you have one other position, and I know you you'll spell him. I'm being a little bit hyperbolic here. You're going to spell him. He's going to come off the field a little bit, but Jamari Buttons is backup, and then you have the the competition at Mike linebacker between. Tyler Elsden and Kobe King. Can a true freshman linebacker come in and compete with those guys immediately? Uh, kind of like the the quarterback position, the Mike linebacker has to know a lot of stuff about defense. He has to be incredibly mature. He has to be communicative. He has to be a, a leader in some ways because he has to tell other people what to do. So can Abdul Carter do that? Or is he a will? Then the question is, and this is where James Franklin has talked about him both ways. I think you, as you saw clearly before the spring, he talked about Abdul Carter coming in and being a part of the competition at Mike Linebacker because they didn't have anybody. They tried to get somebody to bring in this year through the transfer portal. That didn't work. Then they saw the guys compete in the spring, and I think they were, and James Franklin said this, they were happily surprised by the level that those two guys got to. So do you want to replace either of those guys with Abdul Carter, or is he good enough to beat out uh, Jamari Budden for that backup role at will? I don't know that. That seems doubtful to me in both circumstances, but is he so talented, and he is, and he is smart, and he is serious, and he is mature, so can he beat out any of those players to be a part of the conversation? And I think maybe later in the season, he might edge out one of those two Mike linebackers once he's in the system where he might be a Mike, which is, it seems to me that's where they want him is eventually to line up at the mic and be 240 pounds thumper in the middle that can run and everything that you want there. Keon Wiley, uh, he needs a year cause he's coming from defensive end. So uh, that's uh, that's, he's a red shirt. I think we should point out that you talk in terms of two linebackers, essentially calling that third linebacker spot, the place where Jonathan Sutherland is playing that's essentially a defensive back position now, not a they linebacker. Move, they moved two safeties to that position, and they moved a guy who's 215 pounds in Jamari Budden over to play Will. So you're not putting a 240-pound linebacker behind that guy. That's just, I mean, I'm just reading the room. They're not going to be doing that. All right. In the last minute, we have defensive back. <laughs> the talk is usually the further away you are from the ball, the easier it is to get on the field. We saw that from Kalen King last year. How about this year? So I'll go with the, the yellow lights so we get to the highlights here. Uh, Kevin Winston, KJ Winston, he can be that Sam Stryker player. He's 200 pounds. He's six foot two, I want to say. Uh, I just, I was so impressed with him as a football player, and he got faster his senior year. He might be able to play that role and be the backup or, you know, see playing time as that striker position. Christian Driver is super good at football. I don't know where, uh, I don't know if he's good enough to break into the starting lineup. He would be a guy I have on an eye on who's a red shirt that might force his way into that yellow green conversation because football's in his blood cam miller he's a red shirt ken tally he's a red shirt makai flowers is a red shirt and i think that's everybody 
Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter number two. Stick Caleb around. Artis, red shirt. <laughs> okay. Stick around. Next segment, we're going to ask T. Frank. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante and with T. Frank Carr. It's quarter number three. That means it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we have T. Frank answer your Penn State football or recruiting questions. And if you want to submit a question, download our app, Keystone Sports, and you'll see the Ask T. Frank tab there. The winner, which is the questioner who gives us the best question, as selected by T. Frank, wins the book why Penn State by Greg Woodman. It's available now at whypennstate.com. It's a great book. It talks about when Penn State really became Penn State, which was in the decade of the 80s. Those of us old enough to remember it, great decade. You have two national championships in a decade. It's a good one, T. Frank. Yeah. All right. Sure. You ready for your questions? Let's do it. All right, let's say let's start with Garrett in Pittsburgh, who says, "Rumor had it that Trayon Webb was a silent verbal to Penn State. At the very least, he Frank, and this is my editorial. Everybody was uh, all their projections was that he was going to select Penn State, whether there was a silent verbal or not. But Garrett's question is, what do you think happened that changed his mind? Uh." 
<laughs> so I, I don't. I, I'm. I am not a recruiting insider. I watch the film. I follow along like everybody else, and I, you know, I do work closely with those people. So I have some information, but I'm not the original source. So I don't want any of this to come across as reporting or as me saying anything factual. These are just. I'm reading the tea leaves, which is something. If you follow recruiting, you can do yourself. Um. Let's look at let's look at the situation. Let's step back for a second. Florida was in on Jaden Rashada. They did not get Jaden Rashada. There were reports about the amount of money that they were trying to give to, to Rashada to play quarterback at Florida. That money did not go to him, meaning they still had that money in hand. Does that play a factor with Marcus Stokes and Trayon Webb? Possibly. I would also put that uh, it. Trayon Webb, it seemed like that was a big decision. Like, it was a tough decision for him. Family members wanted him to go to Florida. It probably wasn't like a a clean, absolute, assured, I absolutely want to go to Penn State. I don't want to go to Florida. So if it's close, and then if we speculate here that maybe NIL played some factor in this, by the way, that also includes Marcus Stokes, I think you can make a reasonable deduction that that was a part of the conversation because it also came in late. It came in where Webb was had a commitment date. He had a commitment date of the 30th. It got pushed back. And I know King Mac did the same thing, but he pushed it back a day, not a week or two. So that's my read of the situation. And one of the things, T. Frank, you and I were talking about prior to uh, recording, I mentioned at Miami where allegedly a lot of money passed hands to bring in the quarterback, I thought you'd be better off as a team distributing that money or spreading it out a little bit. And maybe that was Florida's decision, right? Could I mean, yeah, it could be. It could be. Again, allegedly could be speculative. I I don't know. But, yeah, it would seem like that was a, a wise decision on their part. Now, again... I think Penn State is in a fortuitous situation with how these things played out outside of the the Marcus Stokes thing. That does that does hurt them because I believe you need to qu- get a quarterback every year, and they're in a position now where their uh, target and the guy that they identified as a very good underrated three star. Now they got to go find somebody else. Can they find somebody else that has that vibe or flip a top commit? That's going to be an uphill climb. Well, in essence, you just answered the next question I was going to present to you, which came from Jimmy in Forest City, who fortunately sent us two questions this week. So, (laughs) T. Frank, I'll set aside Jimmy's uh, Marcus Stokes question, which you just answered, in favor of this one. Uh, Jimmy says, T. Frank, love your work. I was wondering how competitive it is among news outlets when asking James Franklin questions. Do all outlets get to ask questions, or is there some sort of prioritization? Do you also walk a fine line? This is the question I really want you to answer. Do you walk a fine line between asking a challenging question and ticking off James? Some people do not walk that line, and they don't care. I am not that person. And here, let me let me give you my personal philosophy. Um, there are certain things James Franklin won't answer, 
And yes, there is a limited number of times I get to ask him questions, especially personally. Um, you know, when we were on Zoom, you had to be very limited in the number of questions you can ask. And James Franklin gives very long answers. So you are not guaranteed to get a question. Um, you basically get two a week. So am I going to burn a question when I'm trying to find out information? And I ask X's and O's questions, right? So I know there are things that I can ask him that he, do he doesn't want to answer. And he won't really want to uh, elaborate on. But I try to phrase those in a way where I can educate and understand per first myself and, and, and have a better education of what the situation really is and determine whether or not he's being fully truthful or if he's giving me a half-truth and then be able to explain what's going on to, to fans. That's my role. I am not... Uh, that's not how I view... My job is not to, to ask news gathery questions now people have to do that so are there things that james franklin does not want to talk about yeah and there are things that you have to ask and i respect the hell out of the people that ask those questions but i don't i i don't view that as my role because that is not my strength of what i'm writing about day in and day out so to answer your question yes there is always a dance about what you want to ask and how you want to answer you want to ask it because you want to get a good answer that has something you can use um, but you can't let people be just get off the hook, right? Um, and then there is there is some there is definitely competition. You hear people yelling during during the scrums on Wednesdays because you need to get your question in. Um, so that kind of but it's not competitive in the sense of like there's fist fights. It's just you want to have your question answered, and and you know so it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, knowing several of the people there who are asking the questions. A fist fight, I could put together a couple really interesting <laughs> matchups there. Maybe we'll talk about that later, T. Frank. And I do want to put my two cents in on one other thing. Now with, you know, see these press conferences become available on social media, and as fans, we get to listen to them. Um, sometimes I, and I know I, because I hear this from fans, gee, how come the media doesn't ask tougher questions? Why don't they follow up with the tough questions when James won't answer it? It's something that you pointed out there, T. Frank, is if he's not going to answer the question, why waste your limited questions on something that you're not going to get a very good answer to? Yeah. Yes, I still say to myself, boy, if he didn't answer that question, and it's obvious... It should be something he should be answering. How come the next guy doesn't follow up and say, hey, James, you should answer this. Give me that answer. Yeah. yeah. But there, there's another side to the story. It's not quite as easy as we fans want to make it out to be. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's go to... Uh, let's go to Danny in York, who says, love your work, T. Frank. I feel like Sean Clifford's success this season is almost totally dependent on an improved offensive line. What do you think? Uh, no, because there are no absolutes in football. It's like the Jedi, right? There's no absolutely if the offensive line is perfect, then Sean Clifford will be great because if the receivers don't get open, it doesn't matter. Uh, so it's all interconnected. We're all part of the force, whatever you want to say. I'm really milking this for all it's worth. But yes, I would, I would say in, in general, that is a very good point, that the offensive line was below 
the expectation level of giving him an average situation. If you give him a slightly above average situation, I think the rest of the offense is above average. And he, in his sixth year, we've seen when you give him clean reads and he knows what he's supposed to be doing, then he can he can produce. He's an accurate quarterback when he is sound. And making sure he's not in a situation where he has to to um, overproduce is the is the goal here. And that also means the situations he's put into. Don't put him in third and eight every single drive. Give him a drive where it's third and four every single time and he can play action bootleg and he can throw the ball to easy reads and the running back can get 35 yards on a carry. Give him a more normal, I don't want to say normal because not every team is great, but a more advantageous situation and that folds in the running game and the holistic view of football. So yeah, the offense has to be good around him because I think we've seen as he is not a guy that can elevate his situation. He is very much a product of it. Well, I'll tell you what, Danny, uh, T. Frank gave you a little bit of a tough time there to start that answer. I'm just going to say, Danny, I think you're right. The offensive line is the variable that will will make the difference this year because I have the confidence in the other things happening. I have confidence right. in receivers. I have confidence in Sean Clifford if he is given the time. Uh, let's go to Matt in Acton, Massachusetts, who says, Hey, Jim and T. Frank, answer me this. I'm really concerned about conference realignment after USC and UCLA have signed up to the Big Ten um, as to what the fans are hoping for. Now it looks like other schools in the Power Five are readjusting as well. Let's be honest, this is all about money. And the reason why I'm concerned, the incoming money is predicted to be insane but what do the fans get out of this? Hopefully better matchups and better games and a more clear path to a realistic national champion. Let me put it to you this way, and and, and I'm assuming that he is a, a Penn State fan living in Massachusetts, but like uh, this is a total sidebar. Does, does Massachusetts like Boston College? Like does New England love Boston College? Because they're a team that is a part of this conversation of, well, now you need the Boston market unless the Boston market doesn't care about BC. Um, but what I would say is in a, in a perfect world, the pressure of going undefeated during the football season should be gone where you're getting more teams in the playoff. You have a realistic understanding that all of these teams are good. You can go, you can lose two games and still be in the conversation. You maybe lose three games. If you're playing USC, Ohio state, Michigan, um, North Carolina and Clemson. Like, if that's part of your schedule, you should have that baked in, that if you win, you're still a good team. So hopefully it takes away from that and it allows more national champions other than the top four to be crowned. That should ultimately be the goal of this, an even playing field. Real quick, we need a winner. Let's go with Jimmy in Forest City. All right, Jimmy, we'll be getting in touch with you. That's it for quarter number three. Stick around. We're going to talk recruiting in quarter number four. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. 
Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. That means it's time for our Rivals Recruiting Segment. And we have with us for the first time E.J. Daniels from Penn State Rivals. E.J., welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. This is my first time, so I'm very excited to talk some Penn State recruiting. Fantastic. Well, we'll be nice and easy on you since it's your first time doing it. But it's a good week to come come on the show because so much is going on uh, with Penn State recruiting. Some of it good, some of it not so good. I want, to, I want to start with the not-so-good part to this, which is quarterback Marcus Stokes, the only quarterback coming into the class for Penn State, decommitted last week, uh, decommitted from Penn State, immediately switched his commitment over to Florida. First off, uh, EJ, did this decommitment come as a surprise to the coaching staff? Uh, it did and it didn't. Um, based on everything that I was hearing and everything that I've listened to, they kind of uh, expected this. You know, if you remember, uh, Penn State, you know, offered before Florida did. Obviously, in Florida, offered him. I believe it was two weeks ago. And uh, being from Nice, being from the same high school as Tim Tebow, um, you just had too many, you know, local connections. And um, listening to some of the college podcasters, um, over the uh, years, over the uh, last months, excuse me. They had consistently said that <clears throat> all the Florida schools were trying hard to, to win, you know, Florida and win the state. So this is just another example here of how, you know, they're trying to win their state and they're going aggressively at trying to flip the state. And then another, you know, type of rumblings that you've been hearing that there was some type of, you know, NIL package that was offered to him. No one's kind of like getting behind it, but they believe that's kind of it. So a combination of, you know, being in town, being from the same uh, high school as Tebow and being a local kid, it just made too much sense for him, you know, not to play at Florida. I don't think we're ever surprised anymore when the long-distance recruit decommits. It happens a lot. You just get used to it in this recruiting world. But what's different is when it's a quarterback 
And when it's this late in the process, most of the high-level quarterbacks are now committed elsewhere. So it leads to the question, where does Penn State go from here as far as a quarterback? Um, I think Penn State's probably going to have to go the flipping route. Um, so there were three quarterbacks that we narrowed down who could be potential options for Penn State. So number one is uh, quarterback J.J. Cole from uh, Anki, Iowa. Uh, he's a verbal commit currently to uh, Iowa State, but Penn State had a pretty good chance at getting him before. And now that, you know, Marcus Stokes has decommitted, they're probably going to want to revisit that and see if they can, you know, try to entice him away from Iowa State. But from everything that we're hearing, that his recruitment and his, his commitment to Iowa State is pretty strong. So that's the first candidate. The second candidate is Brady Gro Drogosh, uh, who is a verbal commit to Cincinnati at this moment. Now, this is my personal favorite as to who Penn State should go at, strictly because, number one, he's what the analysts and what the uh, what the um, scouts like to call a toolsy quarterback. Out of the three quarterbacks, he probably has the most tools. He's not as positive of a passer, but he can hit the deep ball. He can play out of structure, and he just had and at, at the Elite 11, the regionals, he had the third best combine uh, score of any quarterback there. So, like I said, like I mentioned before, he's a toolsy quarterback, and based on what uh, Coach Mike Yurick likes to do, he will probably fit the best and give Penn State a higher ceiling at the quarterback position. And then lastly, we have uh, Jackson Smolik. So now this is a very interesting one because he's currently a commit at Tulane. But what happened was he was a late addition to the Elite 11. <clears throat> and after his late addition, he actually performed quite well at the Elite 11, so much so that he was in the Elite 11 and received an offer from uh, Cal. So he will definitely, you know, be a, a, another quarterback to keep his eye on. And also, lastly, between Smolik and between Drogosh, they both exchanged uh, follows on Twitter with Penn State. So those are three guys that, you know, Penn State has their eye on and that we should keep our eye on also. Uh, very good. We'll be looking out for that to see if they can turn somebody. The other place where they received not so good news last week was at running back ironically, and maybe not by coincidence, about the same time that Marcus Stokes committed to Florida, Trayon Webb, who was one of the two running backs that Penn State uh, was very hot for, he made his commitment to Florida also. I guess I'll ask the same question. Did this come as a surprise to the staff? Um, I don't think it, this also came as a surprise. There were some rumblings that Stokes and Webb were, kind, were very close because they're from the same area and they developed a bond, you know, during this recruiting process. Subsequently, you know, with that bond, you know, quarterbacks are always able to be the, your, your school's easiest recruiters. And so I think that's a little bit of what happened here. Since Stokes went to Florida and since Webb is also from Florida, they kind of just, you know, kind of teamed up you know, and wanted to play together. So I think it was a little bit of that. And like you said, you know, no one's ever really surprised at the commitments, but I think this was more of, you know, I want to go play with my guy type of situation. So there were two running backs, though, that Penn State was in heavy pursuit for. One was Webb, who ended up at Florida, and the other being London Montgomery, who's out of Scranton. Now, full disclosure, we're recording this on Monday afternoon prior to Montgomery's scheduled commitment. How important does Montgomery come to uh, be as important a, to this recruiting class as it seems like he's the last running back that Penn State is really uh, close to? He's of vital importance. Um, I looked up 
a stat or and watch some commentary last night. Um, Mike Yurich, when he was at his last year at Oklahoma State, he had the ninth best rushing offense in the country. And in that year, he had over, I believe it was 25 explosive runs. So those are runs of 15 plus yards. This year at Penn State, he had 19. So that's almost, what, less than half that he's had. And I believe getting a guy like London Montgomery would essentially help that. He's a big physical back who does not go down on the first uh, first arm tackle. He has great contact balance. And as you see littered throughout his whole tape, his whole highlight tape, he can take it the distance off one cut. Now, he primarily was running gap scheme at, uh, at Scranton, but if he goes to Penn State, he will be, you know, executing uh, outside zone and wide zone actions a lot. So we'll see how he adjusts there. But in terms of generating those explosive plays, he definitely helps with that. And I think and I believe that's what the Penn State coaching staff is looking for out of him. That's the running back position. Let's go to linebacker. There's a couple names here, uh, EJ, that it feels like we've been talking about absolutely forever. And those two names are Tony Rojas, who's out of Virginia, and Tamir Robinson, who's out of Pittsburgh area. Penn State seems to have been the favorite for these guys for months. We've been waiting and waiting at that linebacker position. It appears at the end of this week the wait will be over. They've both both said that they would be announcing later this week. Where does Penn State stand with these two guys? Uh, they stand in great shape. Uh, their future forecasted here by rivals to be committing to the Nittany Lions. And me personally, I know if it doesn't happen, I believe the, <laughs> the Nittany Lions faithful will, will definitely be, be in a frenzy. But they, like I said, they have been you know, forecasted to Penn State for the longest time, as you mentioned. And um, it would be two great ass for them. Um, Penn State is obviously uh, widely recognized as linebacker U and specifically with t these two guys looking at it from a schematics perspective and the reason that they're so high on the list when you got a defensive coordinator like Manny Diaz and you get a guy like Tamir Robinson who can play the edge who can play linebacker and even on his tape can play safety you know with the way he likes to Manny Diaz that is be exotic with his blitz packages switch up coverages switch up safeties Tamir Robinson who I had ranked as a number one player out of PA could definitely give that defense a different look maybe a little bit better than what Micah Parsons offered too so that's why I believe Tamir Robinson would be an exquisite fit in his defense and as far as Rojas goes he's also one of those edge rushers just has that elite burst you know off the line of scrimmage he has great hands he has great moves he's also a guy that you can move inside or in the box Having these two linebackers for Manny Diaz's defense will give them different looks and will just confuse the heck out of defenses when Manny Diaz puts his blitz packages together and his different exotic coverage packages together also. EJ, uh, when Manny Diaz came over to Penn State, and this was, I believe it was in December at the end of the season, Penn State recruiting on the defensive side took a bit of a hit because everything slowed down with the new defensive coordinator here. Momentum really seems to be picking up, especially if they could add these two linebackers. What are your impressions of Manny Diaz as a recruiter? I think he's excellent as a recruiter, man. He came from Miami, and you know he's had so many stops. He has a wide, wide range and a wide reach of like being a player's type coach. He also again, utilizes his players' best skill set. So you know, 
as a guy, as a defensive player that's being recruited in Manny Diaz's scheme, you know that he will utilize you in any way he possibly can. Like I said, one of the great things that I love about Manny Diaz is that he will utilize you in a way where you can make a contribution. He wants to simplify the defense, and he wants to have his players play fast. So having that type of simplicity along with that type of creativity with your defense is always an enticing feature when you're talking to recruits and telling them how they'll be used in this defense. Well, it seems to really the switch has been uh, pushed and the defensive recruiting has, has been on a hot streak. Next week, perhaps, we could talk about these two guys making a commitment. In the last minute or so that we have, I also wanted to ask you about at offensive line. That's been the highlight of this class of 23, although they did have a decommitment a little bit ago now with Josh Miller. But one of the big names that we've been hearing about an awful lot is Evan Link. Now, he's a uh, highly regarded offensive tackle from Gonzaga in Washington, D.C., prime turf for Penn State recruiting. Where do the Nittany Lions sit with him? Uh, based on everything that I've been reading and I've been hearing and, and listening to, I think Penn State has a good shot at getting him. Um, from everything that I've heard, they said that right now Evan Link and his family is kind of just, you know, taking it easy and kind of just seeing all the options that they have right now. I believe that his options are down to Penn State and Stanford, you know, so it's just a situation where, you know, at any time his commitment, you know, will drop. And um, I think that, you know, if the Nittany Lions were able to add him, it would be a great addition. He's another, you know, big, aggressive offensive lineman who can move and get out and uh, run that wide zone action. He has great athleticism, can make that reach block, you know, at the end of the line of scrimmage. He would definitely be a great find. But to answer your question specifically, right now it's down to Penn State and Stanford, and his, you know, commitment can come at any day. But I do believe, you know, Penn State is in a very good position to land. Well, we'll be looking for that, Evan Link, and definitely the two linebackers later this week. Unfortunately, EJ, that is it for the show. It went really fast. You did a fantastic job. Thanks for being on with us, and thank you all for listening to the show. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are...
Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. 